So, Corey is sharing the word with us tonight. So, welcome, Corey. All right, thank you, Pastor Larry. Good evening, Good Hope Church. What a beautiful day we had today. As uh, Pastor Larry said, my name is Corey, and I am preaching today as Pastor Mike is out of town in Jamaica. He took a team, and uh, they're doing some really cool stuff over there. We have the opportunity, and we're partnering with the City of Refuge, the Children's Homes, uh, with Michael Grant being the superintendent there, the Assemblies of God, and we raised around $11,500, excuse me, I'm going to start my watch here, $11,500 is what we raised, and we got to put that towards a water storage tank for the folks in Jamaica. Not only did we raise the money for that, but those guys are going there, and they're going to work with a team there and a foreman there, and they're actually building the tank, and they're going to put it together And the cool thing about that, you know, sometimes in America uh, we take for granted or we get accustomed to just walking up to our faucet and turning the water on and nice clean water comes out. But that's not always the case everywhere in the world. And in Jamaica, they rely on the rain. And when the rain comes, these water storage tanks actually store the rain and that's where they get their water from. And so if they go long periods of time without rain, um, they don't have any water. And so then they have to buy it, and it's extremely expensive. So this will help them tremendously, and uh, it's pretty cool what they're doing there. So let's do a little recap. Today is going to be part four of the IF series that Pastor Mike has been doing. Um, he did the first three weeks. The first couple of weeks were based on salvation, and if we could just throw up Romans 10.9, we'll read uh, Romans 10.9, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's probably one of the most important ifs in the Bible. That kind of kicks off everything, because if we don't believe in Jesus, if we don't confess it, Uh, Pretty much everything else in here doesn't mean a whole lot. So this was the first week. This is what Pastor Mike preached on, and I think that's a really important if. After that, second week, he went, uh, another kind of salvation message was, if we forgive others, the Father will forgive us. And then last week, if we could pull up Genesis 4-7, he was preaching on Cain. And he called it the crossroads of Cain, which I thought was very interesting because here's Cain and Abel, and uh, they both give God an offering, and God looks at Abel's offering, and he liked it. He delighted in it. And he looked at Cain's offering, and it wasn't quite the same. And Cain started to get frustrated. And it started to kind of boil up inside of him. And so God knew what was going on, and he comes to Cain, and this is what he says. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. And I find it interesting. This kind of parallels what we're going to go over today a little bit. But it's interesting that God comes to Cain before he does 
what he's about to do right after this. And he gives them a warning. He tells them, look, basically, I, I got, I'm kind of on the end here. I know what you're going to do. And I'm letting you know that if you do the right thing, will you not be accepted? But if you don't, bad things are going to happen. And you must master it. And then he kind of backs up. And he puts it on Cain. And what does Cain do? Not too long after that, he's like, hey, well, let's go out into the field. And he kills his brother. So, this is the recap of the If series. You can see, I, I love the If series. I, even before Pastor Mike did the series, you look all throughout the Bible, there's ifs all over the place, right? If you do this, then this will happen. And I like it for a couple of reasons. One, it's a promise of God, right? If we do this, God promises to do this. And two, if we're honest, sometimes there's some things in the Bible that are a little challenging to understand. But the ifs, they seem like they're pretty straightforward. Like it's pretty simple. We can look at it and see, okay, God's telling us if we do this, he will do this. But if we do this, this will happen. And so I, I, uh, I appreciate that. And so why don't we pray? We'll get started on today's, uh, today's sermon. Father, we, uh, we thank you so much for who you are. God, we thank you that, uh, that you are above every situation we can face. God, we thank you for your word, your word that you have given us, Father. And I pray today that you would speak to us. God, I ask that you would open our hearts, that you would open our ears, and that we would hear what you have to say. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, today is based on 2 Chronicles 7.14. Let's go ahead and pull that up. We'll take a look at that. And then we're going we're gonna to dissect Second uh, Chronicles 7.14 a little bit. We're going to go through a little bit of chapter 7. There's actually three ifs in here we're going to take a look at. And then after that, we're going to break it down and see how we can apply this for us today. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal their land. This is a a verse that I really like. It's one of my favorite ones. Um, and I think what we're going to do here is we're going to get a little context as to what's going on right now. You got Israel. Um, I think we can, we'll take that down. We got Israel right now who is just at a time in history where they are absolutely prospering. Their king is King Solomon, son of David. And David, he was... David was like the, the mighty warrior, right? The guy who had the heart after God. And he led Israel through battle after battle after battle. And actually, um, we're at a point in time here where, where they just finished um, building the temple for God. They just finished building the temple. Solomon says a prayer, a prayer of dedication to the temple. Things are going really well. 
at this point in time in Israel. It's a time of great prosperity. It's a time of peace. And like I said, David actually wanted to build this temple for God. And God told him, hey, that's a great thing you want to do. And we're going to do that, but you're not going to be the one that does it. You're my warrior. You have blood on your hands. And he said, I'm going to have your son, Solomon, build this temple. And so that's where we're at right now. It's amazing how I think if we look back, this point in time right here is Israel's peak. Everything is going for them right now. They, uh, in fact, if we look in the, I'm not, not going to throw it up here, but if we look in the beginning of Second Chronicles, um, God appears to Solomon and he says to him, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Ask for whatever you want me to give you, Solomon. And Solomon thinks, and this is what he asked for, he asked for wisdom and he asked for knowledge so that he can lead the people of Israel. So you got a time of great prosperity, a time of peace. You have a king who has asked for wisdom. This is spreading out through all the world at that time that Solomon is extremely wise. And you've got kings and queens coming to him and asking him questions, and they're finding out that he does have the answer to whatever question they have. They're bringing tons of money. They're bringing gold. In fact, it says here, it says, God was so pleased with what Solomon asked, because Solomon didn't ask for riches or wealth. He didn't ask for prosperity He didn't ask for all his enemies to be killed. He asked for wisdom. And God comes to him and he says, you know what? I'm pleased, very pleased with what you asked. And because of that, I'm going to give you great wealth. I'm going to give you great riches, riches, and I'm going to give you honor. And it says here, I'm going to give you such as, so much that such as no king who was before you ever had and no king after you will ever have. And I found that interesting. And so just a a little side note, little things like that I find interesting. And so I I Google it. I'm like, how much? I I was just curious. And I'm like, how much gold, how much money did Solomon have at this time? Because things are going really well. So I Google. And up pops the top ten richest people ever. And I click on there. And I'm thinking, you know, today Bill Gates, I don't know how much he has, but whatever it is. He's not even on that list. And there's people on there, I don't even know who they are. And I I start at 10 and I get down to number one and there's Solomon. Number one, richest person ever. And I find that interesting because that's what God said right here. It was written 2,500 years ago. I'm gonna make you the richest. He had what they estimate somewhere between 1.2 and 2 trillion dollars if you were to, to take that in account to today's uh, monetary system. Two trillion. Everything is going really well. You got the wisest king. And then here comes God. He appears before Solomon. This is going to be uh, one of those times where he kind of, God comes and he gives a warning. 
at the time when everything is going really well. If we could pull up Second Chronicles seven twelve through 13. The Lord appeared to him at night. This is where he appears to Solomon. This is right after they finished the temple. This is right when everything is going really well. Everybody's, you know, woo, temple's done. We finished it. It took them 20 years to build it. I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices. When I shut up the heavens so that there's no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people. Now, we'll stop there, and if we could just keep that up. Because the next verse is 14, right? The first if. So just before the if, just before, you know, 14 is God's promise. It's his encouragement. But just before it is the warning, just like Cain. God's saying here, when I shut the heavens so you guys have no rain, when I command the locusts to come to devour your land, or when I send a plague among my people. And I find that interesting. Again, God comes when everything for them is going so good. And isn't it, isn't it true that sometimes when things are going so good, maybe we forget to include God in that. Maybe we just put him off to the side a little bit and we start to take some of that on ourselves. I don't know. But I find it interesting how he comes and he warns them. And we took a look at the first if, which is Second Chronicles 7.14, which is the next verse right after that. He says, when I shut up the heavens, when I send uh, a plague among my people, when I send the locusts, and here's the promise. Right after that, 7.14 says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, will pray, will seek my face. In other words, when you make a mistake, and you're gonna, here's an encouragement to you that if you just do this, I'll forgive you. I'm right by your side. I've got your back. And here's what you need to do to get that forgiveness. That was the instructions that God gave them. And if we go a little further, the second if, God's still talking to Solomon. If we could pull up Second uh, Chronicles seven seventeen through 18. This is the second if. Like I said, we're going to take a look at three of them. He says, as for you, Solomon, because he's talking to him, if you walk before me as David your father did, and do all I command, and observe my decrees and laws, I will establish your royal throne as I covenanted with David your father when I said you shall never fail to have a man to rule over Israel. Here's a second if. If you do this, Solomon, I've got your back. I will establish your royal throne like I told your father David. If you do this, I got your back. Why don't we pull up the third if? Second Chronicles seven nineteen through twenty two. We're just continuing here. This is pretty much one long chapter of God just talking to Solomon. 
and walking him through his choices that he's going to have to make in the near future. The third if, but if you turn away and forsake the decrees and commands I have given you and go off to serve other gods and worship them, then I will uproot Israel from my land, which I have given them, and will reject this temple I have consecrated for my name. I will make it a byword and an object of ridicule among all peoples. And though this temple is now so imposing, all who pass by will be appalled and say, Why has the Lord done such a thing to this land and to this temple? But people will answer because they have forsaken the Lord, the God of their fathers, who brought them out of Egypt and have embraced other gods, worshiping and serving them, and that is why he brought all this disaster on them. That is why. So there's God laying it out before Solomon. When things are just like a well-oiled machine, things are really cranking for them. It's going really well. And now Solomon knows. He's like, if I just do what the Lord is telling me to do, he's got my back, he'll establish my royal throne just like he promised my father David. But if I don't, man, there's some bad things that are going to happen. It just doesn't affect Solomon. It affects all of Israel. Because Solomon's their king. He's leading them. If he leads and goes into idolatry himself, which unfortunately that is exactly what he did, all of Israel is going to follow him. He's their leader. And it's unfortunate, but that's what happened. That's what happened. Solomon ended up worshiping other gods. And God the Father did exactly what he told him he was going to do. Israel got uprooted. The temple that they worked 20 years on got destroyed. Everything got looted. The same promise that's in 2 Chronicles 7.14. The promise that says, if we do this, he will forgive us. That same promise applies for us today. For them, in the Old Testament... The temple was a place that they built for God to come and rest in. That's where God was. That's where he established himself. Today, it's us. The temple today is our body. Why don't we pull up 1 Corinthians 3, 16 through 17. It says, Don't you know that you yourself are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is sacred, and you are that temple. So we can still look at this, and we can hold on to this as a promise for us today. And I think what we'll do here is we're going to look at four things that God instructs us to do in this verse And we're going to dissect it a little bit. We're going to look at it and we're going to break it down and see how we can apply that to us individually today and how we can apply it to us corporately today. And so let's pull up 2 Chronicles 7.14 again. 
And let's start breaking this down and see what God's saying. He says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. There's the first thing that God says. If we will humble ourselves. And so I googled humble. I wanted to google it. You know, get an idea of what the definition is. See what popped up. Get some examples. And here's some of the things I saw. Not arrogant. Not proud. You know, proud, puffed up. Reflecting or expressing submission. Ranking yourself low in a hierarchy. You know, God's up here. We're here or here, wherever you want to put it. Submission. God's looking for his people to be humble people. What's the second thing he says? If they will humble themselves and pray. So I thought, what a better place to look to describe prayer because I think today sometimes pray can, prayer can be a little, I don't know, intimidating. Or we live in a fast-paced world where we're constantly going and sometimes it's hard to think about setting that time aside to pray because maybe in our, our thought process, it's like, well, I gotta, if I'm going to go pray, I've got to put you know, a half hour aside, an hour aside. And so I thought, let's take a look at Matthew 6, 6 through 7. Let's see what Jesus said about prayer. This is Jesus given probably one of the best sermons ever, the Sermon on the Mount. And he gets to the spot in the sermon where he talks about prayer. And this is what he says. He says, But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father, who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Let me take a look here. There's one more verse here. Verse 8. Do not be like them, he says, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. That's just the next verse. Jesus is saying here, we don't always have to take, don't get me wrong, there's, there's definitely a time where we want to take that long extended period time of prayer. And that's something we can kind of map out, we can put on the calendar and our busy schedules, we can get with friends of ours and we can do that. But I'm thinking what Jesus is saying here is, you know, maybe on a daily and a weekly basis, we can go into our prayer closet, we can take five minutes or 10 minutes where we can just get on our knees and we can say, Father, I need you. I need you to carry me through today. I need you to carry me through this situation that I'm facing. We don't have to have all the words. It doesn't have to be always lengthy. It can be a nice, short prayer for that day. And that's what God's looking for. He's looking for us to connect with him. It builds that relationship. 
That's part of us being humble, too, is going to God knowing He's got our back. He's got our back. So what's the third thing in Second Chronicles 7.14? We'll pull that back up. Pray and seek my face. Seek my face. The psalmist in Psalm 105 says to seek his face always. To seek his face always. In every situation we're facing, to go after the Lord with all we've got and knowing that he's got our back, to seek him always. In Jeremiah 29.11, it says to seek him with all your heart and you will find him. Go after him with all your heart and you will find him. And I think the important part of, of this seeking Seeking his face is doing it, understanding who God really is. I think that's kind of the secret here for seeking his face is understanding who he really is. And I'll tell you a little story about me when I first got saved. When, you, when, when I first got saved, I think it's like a lot of folks, you get on fire, things are exciting and new, your eyes open up and you see a whole new world out there that you just didn't see before. And things are just like, woo, it's like a, a, a nonstop party. It just goes and goes, and, and you're on fire, and things are fresh and exciting. And I don't know how long that went on for, maybe four or six months, whatever it was. And then the real world kind of settles back in. And when the real world settles back in, there's trials, there's difficulties, there's the testing of your faith. And for me... Being just saved, fresh, new, not knowing anything about God prior to that. I had this mentality or idea in my head that God was up here and I'm over here, extremely distant. And he's up there with this huge hammer waiting to smash me at the first mistake I made. That's how I felt. That's how I looked at God when I was first saved. And that distorted my view of understanding who God was. And it also kind of sidetracked me or distorted my ability to want to go to him in prayer, to read the word. A lot of that stuff I avoided for the first couple of years I was saved. I didn't hardly do any of that or grow because of that. Because my view my understanding of who God was was wrong. He's got our back. He has a plan for each and every one of you in here. When we get saved, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, instantly all of our sins are gone. God no longer sees them from day one that we accept Jesus into our heart. I had a hard time comprehending that also. I had a hard time almost even accepting that. They're gone. The Bible says as far as the east is from the west, he does not see them. He sees you 
as what he created you to do and who he created you to be. That's how he sees you. Immediately, as soon as we get saved, he sees us as how he created us to be. Way up here. He sees the full potential and the plans he has for you. And all that other stuff is gone. I think that is absolutely amazing. How God looks at us. And a lot of times, I don't even think we look at ourselves that way. And it's hard to comprehend that that he's up there looking at us with that full potential. Seeking his face. Understanding who God is. So why don't we take a look at the last one. This is the last thing that he says. Seek his face and turn from their wicked ways. That one's very simple. That's just repenting. Repenting from the direction we were going, chasing after whatever we were chasing after, and now going after God, learning to grow, learning to become what he has created us to become, to reach that potential. That's, that's our responsibility. That's what falls on us. The day we stand before the Lord, there's going to be no excuse for us to say, oh, I'm sorry, I just was too afraid or I didn't quite understand what you had for my life. And he's going to say, this was who I created you to be. This was your potential. And we need to continue to just take one step at a time. It's, it's great that he is extremely merciful <laughs> and, and patient. I'm so thankful for that. I thank him every day for that because sometimes I'm a little slow at getting... Getting there, you know, it takes years. <laughs> I'm going to have to live to be really old. But uh, that's okay. God's patient with us. I think what we'll do right now is we'll invite the prayer teams up. I'm going to get ready to close. I just want to say that Chronicles 7.14 that that is something we can look at and we can apply to ourselves individually. We can take those four things, those four instructions that God lays out, and we can look at them and say, hey, am I working on being humble today? Am I working on praying to God today? Am I understanding how to seek his face and understanding who God is today? Am I continuing to turn from who I used to be and turning to God? It's just that simple. That's just something we can look at and we can apply ourselves every single day. And I think that's, that's what God was, was telling them there is just be careful. And when you make a mistake, just go back to this. And I think we can also apply this corporately for us here at Good Hope and as the larger church as a whole. You know, we could say, I wrote this down, I've got to make sure I get it correct. We could say that Good Hope is close to where Solomon was. 
Okay? Of course, on a much smaller scale. But we're moving in that direction. Things are, are going really well. We just finished or are just about to finish the building edition. We're growing. People are getting saved. People are getting to know the Lord. Lives are changing. We are in that spot right where, where Israel was and Solomon at that time. We are moving forward. And we want to just look at this as a whole and say, hey, as we continue to move forward because that is where God has taken us, we just want to look at this and say, let's just make sure we're staying in line with this. Today I was just getting ready and listening to a song. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close in prayer. And as soon as I'm done, maybe we can just go ahead and we'll play that song. And I would encourage you to just sit and marinate when the song's done. That'll be our time to be able to leave. But as God's speaking to your heart, if you feel the Holy Spirit moving, if he's tugging on you, Come up to these folks here. These guys have huge hearts. They're praying for you. They're praying for the church. They're on the front lines. They're warring. Come on down. Get some prayer. If you feel that tug, I would encourage you not to leave today without getting prayer. So let I'm going to pray and then we'll just we'll we'll play that song. Father, man, you are good. You're a good father. And you you care so much about us. And I'm so thankful for your word. I look at it like it's your instruction manual for us. It's encouraging to us. It helps guide us and lead us, Father. God, I pray you'd just speak to us tonight as we're closing here. Just help us to align with what your word says. Thank you, Father, for being so patient with us and merciful. Thank you for having plans for us that we don't even know what they are right now, but we know we're just taking that one step moving forward. That today, all I have to do today is seek you out and take that one step. That's it. I don't even need to look at tomorrow. I don't even need to look at next year or the next 10 years. That today I can look at today and I can know you've got my back. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.